In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The word of the Lord comes to us this morning from our Matins Gospel reading. From the Gospel of St. Matthew in chapter 25, we know it as the parable of the talents. And the parable of the talents comes right on the heel of another parable that Jesus taught. And that was the parable of the ten virgins. If you remember in the parable of the ten virgins, the point of that parable, Jesus uses brides and bridegroom, and a bridegroom returning at a certain time. And he tells the ten virgins, have oil in your lamp. Make sure that there is oil in your lamp, because you don't know when the bridegroom is going to return. So that when he returns, you may see him and hear him and join the wedding feast. And right on the heels, almost as if a continuation of teaching, our Lord now tells a different parable, the parable of the talents. And they are connected in what he is trying to reveal about the kingdom of God to the listeners. And I find it fascinating how Jesus begins the parable of the talents. Because he begins with these words. He says, the kingdom of God is like. My friends, any time we hear the King of Kings and Lord of Lords say those words, the kingdom of God, my kingdom, the kingdom of God is like the ears of our soul should perk up because he is going to describe something so important about his kingdom, his relationship with those that belong to him and their life and salvation. <coughs> So he begins, the kingdom of God is like. And then he tells it in the form of a parable, as he did with many times, where he would describe the kingdom of God. And let's remember the point of a parable that Jesus would use. What Jesus would do in almost all of his parables is he would tell a relatable story. Bride, bridegroom, wedding feast. These people would know what that looks like. He'd step right into their worlds and describe the kingdom of God based on that. He does the same thing here. It's a relatable story that when he tells it, they get the picture. But there's more to a parable than that. Because when Jesus would tell a parable, not only would they get the scene, but it, was, it would cause their whole person to stretch and have to wrestle with what he's saying in order to come to that blessed truth. In other words, he didn't just spell it out for them. He paints a picture as if to woo them towards himself, that they would wrestle towards that truth so that when they truly received the fullness of his teaching, it was in them. And that was that. And he does that here. So he says the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells this parable. It's like a master, a Lord, who has servants under his authority. And he calls those servants to himself. <coughs> Because he's going on a journey. He's going traveling. And to one of the servants he gives five talents. To another servant he gives two talents. And yet another he gives one talent. And then he says this. Each one according to their own ability. So he goes off on his journey. And when he returns he calls his three servants back right in front of him to settle up their accounts. So the one with five talents goes first. He comes back and said, Lord, I took your five. I invested and now I have five more. So, Lord, here are ten talents now. 
And the Lord looks at him and says, Well done, faithful one. You were faithful with little. Therefore, I will put you over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The one with two talents. He comes and the same thing happens. He says, Lord, I took your two. I invested. And now they are four. Here are four talents. And the response is the same as it was to the one who had the five talents. Well done, faithful one. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then we come to the one with one talent. And we're told that the one with one talent took that talent and out of fear, he buried it in the earth. And when the master returned, he dug it up and he brought it and said, Lord, I was afraid to lose it. And so here, here it is, the one back. And listen to the response of the Lord over that servant. You wicked and lazy servant. You should have invested that one talent and produced more for when I returned. Take the one talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten. And he had that servant cast into the outer darkness. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. If that's the truth, then we need to wrestle in our lives to truly grasp what's going on here. And the church has so many wonderful teachings and all pointing the same direction on this very parable. So let's attend to what this parable means. And let us continue in our lives to wrestle toward it. Well, the master in the parable is Jesus. The servants are all of his disciples. What about the talent? The talent that Jesus speaks of, it was commonly known as a scaled measurement of money. In other words, you put a certain amount of money on a scale, and when it goes to a certain weight, that is the talent. So it was a great sum of money. And different nations had different weights and definitions of what a talent would be. For example, I think in that time in Greece, if you put 5,000 of their coinage on the scale, that would be a talent. But in Rome, it would be 6,000 denarii that would come into weigh as a talent. It is a great sum of money. But what we need to understand about this is it's something infinitely valuable that belongs to the master that the master entrusts to his servants. It's something of him that he entrusts to his servants. And he entrusts it in them in a way that they will take that which is his that had been bestowed upon them and that they would take it, cultivate it, invest it, duplicate it, and return it with a profit. This is what our Lord is saying. And he says that each of the three servants were given talents each according to their own ability. I think it's very important that we understand that word ability. What does it mean? One was five, one was two, one was one, according to their ability. It's this. It's as if the master looked at each individual person, knowing their strengths and weaknesses of their humanity, knowing their frailties, but also knowing the means by which they have within themselves to excel at things. It's knowing every one of those servants and giving them of himself exactly what they need to be profitable. So the one who had five was given no greater than the one that had two because they were all given exactly what they needed from the master to be profitable. You with me in that? 
And so our Lord does with us. He gives us no more than we need to be profitable toward our salvation and the salvation of others. And He also gives us no less than we need to be profitable towards those two ends. But what do the church fathers teach us about what the talent actually is in our spiritual life, in our Christian life? They sum it up so beautifully because you're going to have some of them talk about spiritual gifts. God distributes the spiritual gifts and we invest them, we duplicate them and so on. And that would be true. But there's an overall summary that is much grander than that to understand this parable. The fathers say this, that the talent given to the Christian is all that God gives us. Through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit at our baptism. It is the very communication of the divine life entrusted and placed into mankind. In other words, it is exactly all of the grace of God that we need for our salvation and the same grace to aid those around us in their salvation. That is the talent that we are given. It's everything our soul needs to be, as St. Peter says, to be truly participators in the divine nature of God. And it is the grace that sustains us to live out that divine nature in our lives toward our salvation again, that of others. So now let's revisit knowing this. Let's revisit this parable for our lives because that's exactly what Jesus was giving, telling us what the kingdom of God is like. Those of us who have received the grace of God, all of us who have received the grace of God as I've described, the ones that receive the grace of God and cultivate it and work with it, and cooperate with God all of our days remaining in Him. We set our desires, therefore, on only the eternal in this life. Our focus is to take up our cross, as Jesus says, and follow Him. And allow God to transform us more and more in His likeness over time. Using that same grace to be worked for the salvation of those around us. These are the ones that took the talent, invested it, and it became profitable. And these are the ones in the kingdom of God filled with grace that have become so much more like Christ. That when the master returns, he will look at them and say, well done, faithful one. He will look at those who have worked with that grace, cooperating with Him. And He'll say, well done, faithful one. You were faithful with little. Much will be given. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But what about the one who buried it in the earth? The church fathers are very specific and so unified in this meaning. If we receive the grace of God into our lives, and live a life so distracted and given over to the distractions of this world. 
of this earth. We have taken the talent and buried it in the earth. Never cultivating the great gift. Never truly becoming a participator in the divine life of God. And to this one, our Lord, when he comes, this one doesn't have oil in their lap. This is the one who will miss the bridegroom. And to this one, he says, depart from me. Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like this. You know, this parable is so perfectly parallel to our Lord's parable of the vine and the branches that is given in John in chapter 15. Think about it. He says, Jesus is the vine. We are the dead and lifeless branches. Jesus takes us. We are engrafted into him. And the life sap of the vine goes into the dead and lifeless branch. And what's the result? It blossoms. It blooms. It bears the fruit. Not of itself. But it bears the fruit of the vine. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, that will happen. Then he says something else. If you don't remain in me and I in you, then the branch doesn't have the sap. The branch is dead, not bearing fruit. And what does Jesus say? It's good to be cut off and pruned and thrown into the fire. And he gives the kingdom of God as like. He tells this parable on the heels of the parable of the ten virgins having oil in our lamp for when God comes. Now, lest you fall into deceit, which so many out there, and even some in the Orthodox Church can do if they're not careful. Lest you fall into the deceit that to take the talent, the grace of God, to cultivate it, to remain in Christ, to allow Him to transform our lives, is the way that we earn our salvation. That is a lie. How do we look at this? We can't earn our salvation. This is not about works. We couldn't earn the grace that was given us, much less our salvation. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the beginning and He is the end of the salvation of each one of our souls. So what is this working with this talent? It is living in absolute relationship with the very living Lord Jesus Christ every day. Keeping before us, Lord, help me have oil in my lamp. By your grace, let me bend the knee to you every day and allow you to perfect me in your holiness. It is setting our sight on things eternal and laying aside the cares of this earth. See, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, don't you understand that he wants to describe the kingdom out of love for those he come to bring the kingdom to? Not to condemn them, but to heal them. We need to see the kingdom of God clearly. Every one of you have been given the fullness of the grace of God for your salvation and for mine and for one another. Let us work in that grace of God in relational cooperation daily with our Lord Jesus Christ. That when he comes, we hear those beautiful words, well done, faithful, enter into my joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.